Ezekiel 33 is where we're going to start. We're going to pick up in verse 30. As for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking about you beside the walls and in the doors of their houses. And they speak to one another, everyone saying to his brother, please come and hear that the word that comes from the Lord. So they come to you as people, as people do. They sit before you as my people and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth, they show much love. But their hearts pursue their own gain. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear your words, but they do not do them. And when this comes to pass, surely it will come, then they will know that the prophet has been among them. And now, y'all can come with me. You don't have to, though. I'm going to go into James. And we're going to be in James chapter 1. I'll just read three verses here for you. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. This one will be blessed in what he does. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. We love you. We ask that you will use your word to draw us closer to you and strengthen us spiritually. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so there are some times when you prepare to do something and you're getting prepared to do something and then you realize that not everything is lined up the way you plan on it. You know what I'm talking about? There are times when you know what you should be doing and you realize that you should have done something later on that evening, you're like, oh, there was something I was supposed to do, what was it? And you forgot about it. When we look at what I just read in those passages I just read, we realize that, is there something going on? Because I see a whole lot of y'all talking and whispering to each other. No? All right. I'm Like five people just went. Anyway. So, what? I have misbuttoned my shirt. How embarrassing is that? So was that a distraction? <laughs> so we have this mirror. Oh, he did it on purpose. <laughs> I see what you did, preacher. So we have this mirror that we're to look into. And how many of y'all get dressed in front of a mirror every day? Raise your hand. All right. About 12 of you. You can tell by looking at the rest of you. Y'all look like me. How many of y'all ladies do your makeup in front of a mirror? Why do we do things in front of a mirror? To see what you're doing. To see what the reflection is. So when you walk away, you remember. How many of y'all have ever had broccoli or something else stuck up in your teeth? And then you got home and it was four hours later and you were like, broccoli, right there. Anybody? Go ahead, raise your hand on that one. Good, good. More than looking to the mirror when they get dressed. 
That's embarrassing, right? Because you didn't know that you looked like that. How many of you would look into a mirror, go, man, my shirt is misbuttoned, I got broccoli in my teeth, and go, I'll get it later, and walk away? Anybody? A few of you would. I did this morning. I was like, oh, i got to make sure my shirt looks stupid. So that's, it's not something that's natural. We see an issue, we see a problem, we see it in our own face or on our own person, and we make the change immediately. And then we double check, and then we think, ooh, there might be some other teeth with some other stuff in it. There might be, man, my shirt's on, but how many, I'm going to check some other stuff too. So we sit there and we use that time as an instant opportunity to correct that which was wrong with us, right? So I read to you two verses that are fairly similar, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. Ezekiel. Most people don't read Ezekiel and go, man, I'm going to read Ezekiel because I just like to cuddle up by the fire and read the book of Ezekiel. It's not one of those books. That might be like, like maybe John or something like that. But some of y'all, are like, I don't do that with anything in the Bible. I read mine one. I read my Bible one devotion line at a day. One one devotion a day. The um, the book of Ezekiel puts it because there's there's a group of people who are in danger. They have invaders coming. The invaders are surrounding the city. And Ezekiel is prophesying to the people. And right there in chapter 33, he says, They come to you as my people, and they sit before you as my people, and they hear your words, but they do not do them. Y'all see that? That was verse 31. So right there, we have this idea that there's folks in town that realize other folks need to hear the Word of God. So these folks go out and they invite their neighbors and the other folks in town and they bring them to come hear Ezekiel the prophet. Hmm. There are folks that care about other folks, and there are folks that want other folks to hear the Word of God. Let me ask you a question. Is that you? Is that you in your life? Do you go out to work? Are you in the community? Do you have other friends? And maybe they go to church. Maybe they don't go to church. Maybe they're involved in a Bible study somewhere, or maybe they're not. But do you invite them and say, hey, I want you to come hear the Word of God preached. If you do, good job. You're doing what you're supposed to. If you're not doing it, why not? Why not? Every Sunday school class has a little list on the bottom of that thing that says, how many people did you invite this week? And oftentimes that just goes overlooked. Oftentimes, we don't invite people to any church event. And that, stand, that goes for any church event. That means a men's group, a women's group, a, a, a Sunday night, a Sunday morning, uh, Luke the dog, anything like that. Supper on a Sunday night, after church. All that stuff you could count as an invite. So are you inviting folks? 
We also have a goal. If you've never been through the back of the church, I invite you to go back there after church and you'll see this big box of ping pong balls. And those ping pong balls, every white one that goes in there is someone who invited a person. That represents a person that was invited. There are some of you folks in here who were one time seen by me as nothing but a ping pong ball. And then when you showed up, after being invited for three weeks, you became an orange ping pong ball. And I want to tell you something. How many... The ratio between white ping pong balls, which means you went out and invited folks, to orange ping pong balls, you know what that ratio would be? Someone take a guess at about what it would be. Throw out a couple numbers. 20 to 1. Mm. It's closer to 50 to 1. Every 50 people that folks from our church invite, one person shows up. You believe? That's crazy. That's insanity. Think about that. For every 50 people that we will invite, one will show up, which tells you if we want to fill up a church to hear God's word, we got to invite more folks. So if you've invited anybody throughout the week or the last couple of weeks and you have not put ping pong balls back in there because you weren't reporting it in a Sunday school class, please go do that after church. Take a white ball, drop it in. Five white balls if you invited five. My goal is to get that thing filled up to the line by January 1st. So we got a lot of inviting to do. So these folks went out, they invited people to come and hear Ezekiel. As they come to hear Ezekiel... They show up. Now let me just tell you, Ezekiel was not a normal man. He didn't dress normally. I say that with my shirt all unbuttoned and messed up. Ezekiel was a guy who was strapped down to the ground in his underwear, basically, preaching against the wall of Jerusalem for almost a half a year. Think about that. And then for several months, he flips over on his other side and preaches to the fields that are opposite the wall of Jerusalem. Because that's what God told him to do. And the people came and they would listen to him preach. And they would hear what he was saying, but then they would leave and they wouldn't do what he was telling them to do from God to do. The people who went inviting, they couldn't help that, could they? There's this small group of folks who were going out saying, come and see this guy preaching. And they'll be like, you're talking about that crazy man outside the gate that's strapped to the ground and he's got his hands tied and his feet tied up and he's saying, repent Israel, repent because a day is coming where we will not be our own leaders in our own city. We're going to be taken over by someone else. You're talking about that guy? Yeah, I'll go and I'll listen a couple times, but I can't do what he's saying to do. And his message was pretty simple. His message was turn your heart back to God. Turn your heart back to God. P- 
posture your soul, your spirit back to the Lord because He can save you still. But they didn't. They were hearers and not doers. Why were they content to go and listen but not to do? Because they had their own gains to pursue. Think about that. In our own lives, that is honestly what it all comes down to. We have our own gains. And we are coming upon a season that is going to be pulling you in every direction where we're going to have 15 things. I saw one person's calendar this week. And she had 500 different things going on, I swear. It looked like the, the uh, periodic table of elements. I mean, every single thing had like three or four things in it. It, was, it blew me away. But you're going to be pulled every direction. And as you're pulled every direction, you are going to realize at some point, hopefully, is God going to get the glory from all this? Do I have, am am I living someone else's agenda? Am I going through something else? Can I bring the salt in the light where I go? Or are you just going to be going through the motions busying yourself? The folks that were going to see Ezekiel, they were just like, you know what, I'm going to go because my neighbors want me to go, and I'm going to go, and we'll go through the motions there, and then I'll go back, and I'll do exactly what I want to do with my life because, hey, it's my life, not theirs. That attitude cost Israel its freedom. That attitude cost Israel its, its a third of the folks died. Another third of the folks were sent away into slavery. And a third of them survived. Judgment fell on them because of that attitude. So don't just hear God's word, but be doers of God's word. Now jumping into James, we see that He hits the same, he nails the same nail. He beats the same drum. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself and goes away and forgets what kind of man he is. Verse 22, I'm going to back it up a couple. He said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. When you hear what God gives to you and then you don't act on it, you're like that person looking in the mirror going, oh, my shirt's messed up, broccoli in my teeth, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to turn around and go do something else because there's something more important that I want to do. You may be here this morning and you may not have a total understanding about the whole Jesus and church thing and all that kind of stuff or why people invite you to it and why they think it's necessary in your life and all that kind of stuff. And to 
To you, I say, be patient. Keep looking in the Word. Keep reading the Word. Keep getting into conversations about the Word. Because hopefully, it'll start to make sense. And then there's other folks that hear it, that say that the words of truth out of this book have saved you and have changed your life, have put you from one destination which used to be hell and is now bringing you to eternal glory. Yet you you take the word and you just kind of flippantly say, yeah, the word is something that I listened to, read to me on a Sunday morning between 10.30 and 11. Or 11 and 11.30. Then I'll go out and I'll do what I want to do, how I want to do it. And if that's your heart, you're deceiving yourselves. Has anybody ever lied to themselves? Anybody in here? Am I the only one who's that stupid and prideful that I do something and then I lie to myself afterwards to try to justify it and make it sound good? (laughs) that's a scary thing because when you realize you were lying to yourself to justify your own actions and your own behaviors you realize how far from from the truth you really are when you go And justify things you've done, things you've said, to ultimately feel better about yourself. That's wrong. You're deceiving yourselves. I know that it's hard. And it's funny because these kind of sermons come out now and then around this time of year. Because so often... You're going to be sitting at a table or invited to sit at a table with a family member or an old friend that there was a battle in the past about. And that battle was there and there were, there were harsh words said and feelings were hurt and that kind of stuff. And ultimately, you're going to look at them and you're still going to justify why you're right and why you're not going to show up at their house at Christmas or why you didn't show up at Thanksgiving even though you were invited. Or you're not going to invite someone based on something that you've justified your own actions on. Don't deceive yourself. Because what does this book and what does this word instruct us to do? To love others. To be patient with them. To look at others and regard them as greater than ourselves. It's to have humility and to squelch pride. Because pride comes before a... No! Y'all, we're proud of that answer. The Bible doesn't teach that pride comes before a fall. Pride comes before destruction. Destruction, y'all. And when we look at the word in its inerrancy, 
in its perfection. We look at it and we, we say, this is the mirror, is what James was saying. And when I look into the Word, if it reflects back that there's something wrong with me, I've got to fix it right then. Because if I don't, I'm going to leave here deceiving myself. I'm going to have pride over what I think about this word. And I'll say, well, I don't have to. So if you have something important to do, and you're getting dressed for it that day, where are you standing? In front of that mirror. Well, I'm going to tell you what, you have a life in front of you, and believe it or not, God has a plan and a purpose for it, and He wants to use you, and as you're getting ready to fulfill His purpose for your life, you get in front of that mirror, and you see if you're reflecting what He wants you to reflect. Don't let you get in the way of it. I'm sorry if... I wasn't trying to be mean when I said pride and you were pride. I was trying to make a joke. Anyway, God was convicting me on that right now. When we look within this word and you are 100% honest with yourself and with God, He knows your heart, He knows your faults. When you look into this word and you say, I'm falling short. Here, do you change it? Do you change it? Do you walk up to folks who you've had grudges with that invited you to Thanksgiving dinner and say, I love you. In spite of the differences we had in the past, who was right, who was wrong, it doesn't matter, I love you. Do you look at your spouse, your kids, your other relatives and say, I've been hurtful. I've been in the wrong and I'm sorry and I love you and I don't want to be there because I want to exist with you in a place where we as believers can have all things in common. Where we as believers can look at one another and say, you are my brother or my sister in Christ and I love you the same way that Christ loved you and I would give myself up for you a thousand times over because I love you that much. Do you have that kind of heart towards other people? Because that is the heart of Christ's likeness. When you look in this word, as your mirror from now on, how many of y'all ladies have that habit of popping open that compact or dropping that mirror down and checking so you can make sure everything's right on the face before you go in somewhere? This word ought to be that in our lives every single day, not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays or when you're going to do a new conference or a retreat or something. It ought to be like that every day where you look at yourself in the mirror 
Not, not out of pride, but out of humility to say, Lord, I want to reflect your word. And when that happens, you'll find yourself going further in your relationships in a Christ-like way more than you could ever imagine. Regardless of what the history in the past has said about that relationship. But it's out of love, it's out of patience, it's out of perseverance, it's out of hope that we can do that. And why can we do that? Because Christ did that for us. He did that for us when we, a people who sinned against Him and did not love Him, when we did not respect Him, we hated Him. The Bible calls us enemies of God, enemies of the cross. And while we were still enemies, He died for you. He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I can be the righteousness of God in Him. He made a way so that we could have access to the Father. So that we would have access to eternal glory and life in heaven. He didn't die so that we could look at His Word, which by the way, John chapter 1 says, He was the Word, He is the Word, so that we could look into His Word and say, yeah, maybe someday. We're deceiving ourselves if that's the case. So go out, serve others in love. Be real with yourself before that, though. Before you can truly serve someone else in love, have that time of introspection. Reflecting upon, am I really trying to look like His Word? Or am I serving someone else because... It's just what I'm supposed to do, and I'm trying to be obedient, and blah, 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 blah. So go out. Invite folks to hear God's Word. Invite folks to be partakers of eternal life forever. Work on being real with this book so that others will see you attempting to make your reflection look similar to this Word. And that can only be done by the Spirit. And if the Spirit of God is not in you, what I describe to you is going to be under the power of your own flesh and you'll never get it done. So Christ has got to dwell richly within you. Which means you got to be right with Him. you got to believe that he took that sin, that he was resurrected on that third day. And he gives you eternal life.